Welcome to the Hayes Worldwide Careers Advice Podcast, bringing you insights into the world of work. In this series, I'll be talking to experts to give you practical tips and advice on careers. I'm your host, John Beasley from Hayes, the world's largest specialist recruiter. In this ever-changing world of work, the competencies marketeers need to succeed and ultimately stand out are changing. So today, we're joined by Stacey Danheiser and Dr. Simon Kelly, principals of Shape Marketing Group and co-authors of the books Valueology and Standout Marketing. They are here today to share how marketeers can evaluate their careers by developing five key competencies. Yeah, thank you very much. It's uh, great to be on with you. Yes, thanks, John, for having us here today. We always love the opportunity to talk about marketing. That's great. So to begin with, please, could you quickly introduce yourselves to our listeners? Simon, we'll, we'll begin with you, if that's OK. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, my name's Simon Kelly. I call myself a pracademic because uh, I had a long career in telecoms and IT, running marketing as a B2B marketing director. And uh, I've also worked at various universities, currently at York University, and uh, working with Stacey at Shake Marketing Group to help organisations standout marketing. Great. Thanks, Simon. And Stacey, how about you? Could you uh, let us know a little bit about uh, your background and your current role? Yes. Hi, I'm Stacey Danheiser. I'm based in the United States. I'm the founder of Shake Marketing Group, where, as Simon mentioned, we work with B2B organizations to help them with customer research, value proposition development, and marketing strategy. I'm the co-author of the two marketing books that you mentioned, along with Simon. And prior to starting Shake, I also worked in various corporate marketing leadership roles for about 14 years for several uh, Fortune 500 companies. Great. Thank you very much. As, as you said there, you've both recently released uh, your new book called Standout Marketing. Could you just uh, tell us a little bit more about, about the book and the research that you conducted around the topic? Yeah, so Standout Marketing is a book that we wrote for both leaders and individual contributors to help answer the question, do I and our team have competencies to help my company stand out? It was really born out of some research that we did into three different industries, the telecom industry, data center, and UK universities. And after we scraped the websites and Twitter feeds of the top 30 companies within each of these industries, we discovered that everyone is telling a similar story. They're all using the same words, descriptions, jargon, and YS story. So we were really curious about why this was happening. And we embarked on some more research where we conducted dozens of one-on-one -on -one interviews with marketing, sales, and business leaders across the UK and US. We also led a global survey with over 50 respondents. And we've also had our own firsthand corporate experience and over two dozen client projects. Great, thanks. And uh, in your book, you mentioned uh, the fact that marketing is swimming in a sea of sameness. You gave some examples there, such as using the, the same jargon. You know, I imagine this makes it difficult for organisations to stand out from their competitors. Could you explain the, the concept in, in more detail? Yes. So as I mentioned, it's, it, this was really based on the research that we did into those three industries. The sea of sameness is referring to the fact that every company within these industries sounds the same. What we found is that generic business terms are really overused. Words like services, solutions, business were the most frequently used words that popped up. Most phrases we also found start with we and our instead of being about the customer. So um, benefit statements that, you know, we've been in business for 100 years. We have 24 by 7 support. 
comments like that that don't really take it to the next level to explain why a customer should should care about that. And then we also found that proof points are rarely used that are meaningful to the customer. So for example, there's a lot of promises to help businesses grow or transform, but when you ask how, the answer is always something about buy my product or service. So these are really lofty and empty claims or what we say the bridge from how to get a customer from where they are to where they want to be is weak. Thanks, Stacey. There's uh, probably some marketeers listening to this, you know, who realise that they are guilty of of some of those things and standing out from the crowd is obviously, you know, key to marketing. So in, in the context of your book, could you please talk us through why that is essential? Yeah, so crucially, when every company sounds the same, basically it leaves customers completely confused about what makes each one different. So customers end up completely overwhelmed and they just end up making a choice that is usually the cheapest, even if that means that it's not the best option for their situation. When we asked why this is happening, people listed many reasons, but there's one that in particular really interested us and that was pure laziness. So many marketers are really just skipping crucial steps to understand the customer, digging in, doing research and and uncovering insights and also doing the true sort of deep soul searching work of figuring out the essence of what makes their organization different. And they're just instead copying what their competitors are doing. So after all, it's easy to go to a competitor's website, read their YS statement, and then slightly rewrite it for your own website. Um, But this really comes across as inauthentic, it lacks the depth that we talked about earlier, and, and does not really just fully mobilize or excite the organization to deliver on their promise to, to customers. Thanks, Stacey. It was a great explanation. You can really understand why that sea of sameness exists when, uh, when everybody's copying one another, essentially. And Simon, you know, we, we're here today to discuss how marketers can stand out from the crowd by developing five key uh, competencies. So which competencies do you think marketeers of today are lacking when it comes to standing out from the crowd uh, that you've mentioned? Yeah, no problem. Before uh, I get into that, maybe I can talk about what we see as a competency because it's quite a contested word. So we think it's the knowledge, the skills and the behaviours all put together that you need to be successful in your role. For example, our interviewees said that the most important role of marketing was brand management, which is not a surprise. So that's a job to be done by marketing, which is about differentiating the brand in a meaningful way to customers. What do you need to know? What do you need to be good at? And how do you need to behave to develop and mobilize the brand within your company and crucially in the market? That's what we mean by competencies. What do you need to know? What do you need to be able to be good at and to do to mobilize people? So from our research, the five competencies that came out together spell the word value. So V is for visionary, which is about foreseeing potential changes in the broader business environment in the market. A is for activator, which is about getting buy into initiatives and to get the business driving forward for growth. L is for learner, which is about learning from changes in the environment, in what your customers value, and in what sets you apart from competitors. U is for usefulness, which is differentiating in a way that's relevant, practical, and resonates with customers. And E is for evaluator. This is to evaluate the ongoing success of marketing and sales campaigns, and at the front end, to evaluate ideas that might be brought forward 
to see if they're actually worth moving forward for by the business. Thanks, Simon. If it's okay, we go through each of those elements, starting with visionary. What does it mean for marketeers and how can they demonstrate this competency effectively? Well, okay, the, the first one, to, to stand out as a visionary, then marketeers have got to demonstrate that, that like an eagle, they can soar to 10,000 feet and, and zoom out to see the big picture before then zooming in on the things that could have the most impact, both for the customer and their own organisation. So at any one time, there are lots of things going on, coming up on the near horizon or, or in the far distance. And if we take a look at what's happening lately, it's... Uh, really dizzying. I mean, in the US, there's a new president who on his first day brought America back into the Paris Global Climate Agreement. In Europe, there's Brexit with the UK withdrawing from the European Union. And of course, COVID's dramatically swept the world and affected us all in many ways. You know, changes in online shopping, too many Zoom meetings, moving towards a situation where mental health awareness is on the agenda. Uh, and if we compare the fortunes of different chief executives, for example, Pfizer versus British Airways, then we'll see that these things have had a dramatic different effect on different organizations. And when we think about what's happening in the technology front, I mean, it's just eye-watering. You know, the, the first iPhone was launched in 2007. And last time I looked, there were three and a half billion globally and coming up on the horizon and and starting to embed itself in, in organizations. We've got 3D printing, robotics, artificial intelligence, and, 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 and. <clears throat> and all these things have impacted on customer behavior and, and competitor behavior. So I suppose the two big examples are Airbnb and Uber, and then more lately Lyft, who have massively impacted industries and don't even have any of the assets that th those industries are famous for, you know? So taken together, a marketeer has to know how all this stuff will impact their customer, their own company and their industry. So, I mean, if you pr prefer a sporting analogy, uh, I'll use the famous and supposedly greatest ice hockey player ever, uh, Wayne Gretzky, the Canadian guy, as an example. He says, you have to skate to where the puck is going, not where it's been. So you've got to join all that stuff together and say, OK, what's going to happen? And how can we predict that? Marketeers need to get better at that, yeah? Thanks very much, Simon. And talking about the acceleration of technology and being a disruptor, how can marketeers generate creative and innovative ideas that, that can help their organisations to, you know, move forward or stand out? Do you have any tips? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think they've got to read and take reference points more widely than they would traditionally do. So look outside your own industry, look outside your own profession, other disciplines. I mentioned uh, before when I've been asked these questions that sport's quite a good example because they seem to be really quite good at, at sharing between disciplines. For example, in this country, what used to be the top rugby club and aren't anymore, Leicester Tigers' new coach, Steve Borthwick, he's He's meeting with the Leicester soccer or football manager, Brendan Rogers, to, to share experience. So marketeers should do that, you know, then listen to industry experts, dive into stuff that industry experts like, get onto TED Talks. When you think about, you know, the, one of the great academic gods of marketing, you know, which is Ted Levitt, I would say don't be myopic, you know, don't be nearsighted. And then, you know, get together with people 
have what the Americans call brown bag lunch sessions where you get together and talk about things that are happening and how they might impact on people and then come up with uh, creative solutions from that. So you have to you know, develop this wider understanding and appreciation in, in order to come up with those creative ideas. And so you could work with people like us if you want to think that through to do brainstorming about where the future might lead you and to predict about what this combination of potential things can do for you, you know? Because in the end, as a marketeer, your job is not just to do all that broad vision and you've got to be able to zoom in on the thing that could be good for your company and for you, the thing that might move the needle for the customer and make your organisation money, yeah? I'm enjoying all these sporting analogies as well, so it's a good way to think about it. So following on from that, if we could look at the second competency, which is uh, Activator. It's about, you know, bringing those ideas to life and activating them. How can marketers go about getting their ideas heard by their managers to progress towards uh, executing a vision for change? Yeah, again, it might be worth just talking about what makes an Activator. First of all, You have to be able to be what we call a balanced advocate. So you've heard me say a couple of times already, you've got to understand what's going to work for both your customers and for your company. How uh, your company is going to make money, how your organization is judged on being successful, yeah? And you've got to be able to listen, but not just listen in order to reply, to really listen empathically, to understand what people are telling you, to understand what's affecting customers, what might be affecting other people in your organization. And crucially, you've got to be able to understand that you need to negotiate, that not everything that you take forward as an idea should be what we call fully baked because other people are going to have takes on that idea. And from their experience, may, may give you tips that make it better, yeah? And then you have to be tenacious more than anything else because – not all great ideas get taken up the first time. You know, there are apocryphal stories about Dyson and how many times he got rejected for, you know, his revolutionary vacuum cleaners. And then when he moved towards execution, he claims to have had 5,000 prototypes before he found one that worked, yeah? And then you have to be people-centric. So in order to get stuff to work and to get your organization to buy into it, you've got to understand the people in the organization You know, what motivates your boss, what type of person they are, what's going to excite them as a new idea, and any other executives in in the organization. And then to be able to what we call contextualize, to talk at different levels in the organization to understand what your direct boss is interested in, what the guy who leads the sales organization might be motivated for, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the combination of things that that make up an activator and they're the kind of things that people need to do in order to be good activators, yeah? And how can marketeers become more adaptable in in order to to modify their strategies accordingly? I think almost the answer's in the question there uh, because that's the key. You know, you've got to be adaptable. You know, I think if I observe through my professional career, the thing that most marketeers do most wrong most often is this whole thing of, going in with ideas that we call a fully bait and then not liking it if somebody has a different take on that idea or, or puts forward a better variation, adapt based on what you hear being said and t- take away the great ideas and, and mould them back into your idea and come back with modifications that improve it. You know, this is not 
designed by committee. It's, it's other experts or people who have a different take giving you a different view. So be adaptable to that and, and then be adaptable to changes in the market to, to maybe change your idea too. I guess then, you know, a blocker to doing things differently could be, you know, a person's organisation being quite unwilling to change, being quite resistant to change. What, what advice would you give to someone in, in that particular position? Well, I think that's a great question because I think most marketeers un- underestimate the fact that at the core of it, they are change agents trying to get the organisation to move towards a different idea or towards a new market. So, you know, you've got to create the compelling change case, recognize that that's what you're doing. You are trying to get a change in the organization and a change in its focus. So listen to the counter arguments and then create a sense of urgency to do that thing that you're suggesting. You know, if we don't do this, then what's going to happen? Are we going to miss out on an opportunity? Is our performance going to start to dip? And above all, try to be more self-aware and self-reflective. Yeah, it's easy to sort of say, oh, this idea never got took forward because the other guy was a bit stubborn or something, but it could be because the approach you took didn't quite work, yeah? You know, accepting all that, there is a chapter in our book about culture and all of this stuff takes place in different organisational cultures. And, you know, we have spoke to people who are in senior positions who have left organisations because... In the end, they do get a sense that uh, there isn't an appetite for change. And and if you are somebody that likes change and likes to see it driven, then maybe it's not always right to be in the current organisation that you're in, yeah? The cultural fit question. Thanks, yeah. Thanks, Simon. You know, cultural fit is uh, is extremely important and yeah, shouldn't be undervalued. And if we, if we move to Stacey now, looking at the third competency, which is learner, why is that so important for marketeers to, to upskill in order to, you know, keep on learning and developing, especially in this new era of work that is constantly accelerating its changes? Yeah, well, I think, you know, 2020 perfectly sums up the reason why being a learner is so important. So many marketers started last year with one set of plans and then six weeks into the year, everything changed. So, you know, for example, the shift from in-person events to online events created an immediate need to learn new technologies. Companies that had a group of strong learners were able to, you know, one, understand that business and customer expectations had changed and they were able to more quickly adapt to that. Being a learner is really about having a mindset of curiosity. It's being open to new ideas, able to critically think. And I think crucially for for this audience, it's about being deliberate and self-directed rather than waiting for your boss or your manager to come and tell you what to go learn. Upskilling is important, and that could be about learning a new technology, but there's also sort of the human side of this, which is learning about your customers, understanding what's happening in the competitive landscape, the the market. There's many, many things that that does. And one client in particular that I'm thinking of that we worked with was really able to demonstrate their that they had the best customer understanding. And they all of a sudden were invited to go participate into strategic sessions in the company. So previously they were, they had not earned a seat at that table, but because they were the most relentless and able to understand what was happening with the customer base, you know, they became a, a real source of knowledge there. Thanks, Stacey. I mean, I guess I'm interested in learning about the implications of not, you know, upskilling or not 
continuously learning versus not doing so. I imagine there's a there's a real risk of being left behind if you don't carry on uh, learning throughout your career. Yeah, exactly. I think what we what we know is that the only thing that is constant is change. So you know, of course, the the major implication for not learning is that you will not be able to adapt quickly and you may even make yourself or your job obsolete if you can't keep up with the changing times. And we've seen this, you know, I've seen this personally in my career that that marketing leaders and individuals that couldn't keep up with the technology or didn't really understand the technology and did not bring people onto their team that understood the technology, all of a sudden people are sitting around the table that are not marketers and maybe they have an IT background or a, a product or sales background, and they were able to more specifically talk about that, you know, eventually those people kind of worked themselves out of that job because they they couldn't keep up with the technology and understanding that. You know, I think about how much, you know, my role has changed and how much I've seen marketing change over just the, the past 10 years and the amount of different tools that we use now. More often than not, you know, those tools do do make your job easier and they do give you greater insight. So I really do think it is essential and for the reasons that you, you just pointed out there as well. Do, do you have any tips for our listeners, you know, to help them effectively upskill in a way that, that perhaps works for them? Yeah. So first, you know, you may be wondering, well, what do I need to learn? We have a set of categories and questions in the book that covers five key areas. The first is the market, what's happening with market trends, where is the market going in the next five years? It's kind of everything in the, that visionary category that Simon talked about. Competitors, you know, what's happening with the competitive landscape? Who are the top competitors? And not just direct competitors, but indirect competitors. And, and you know, of course, the, the number one competitor of people just getting complacent and doing nothing. The third is understanding the company and the product or service solution. So, you know, where's the company headed? What are revenue targets this year and next? What's the mission of the company? Why are they in business? How are they measuring the value that they provide to customers? One of the number one questions that that we like to kind of challenge people with is, you know, what, what problem do you solve for customers? And, you know, starting there, if you cannot answer that, that's kind of a great place. You know, how well do you really understand sort of the, the company and the products? The fourth area is customers. So who is your ideal customer? What are their top needs and pain points? What are their motivations? As I mentioned in that example, you know, if you're the one that, that knows the most about your customer base, you know, you'll, you will be invited to participate in strategic conversations. And then lastly is the role. So depending on where you are, where you sit in the organization, what are your strengths and weaknesses? What do you need to learn to improve in your current job? what's the next job that you want to have and kind of what do you need to learn to get to that next level? I would say at start there, ask yourself, you know, where do I lack knowledge within these categories and, and choose one to get better at. The second that we hear, you know, from a lot of marketers, the biggest hurdle and um, impediment to learning is that they just don't have time. So this is something that, you know, is one of those habit building things. Set aside 15 minutes to read and think don't view this as wasted time, but as valuable time to make yourself smarter. So a lot of people, you know, feel like they have to be doing, doing, doing and checking things off of a to-do list. Well, add then, you know, I need to read for 15 minutes or I need to watch a video for 15 minutes to make myself smarter and replace some of that, you know, mindless, maybe Instagram scrolling or Twitter scrolling with, with something that's going to help you be smarter in your job. And then lastly, it's about developing a sense of curiosity. So 
you know, when we were children, we asked our parents about 300 questions a day. But by the time we get to middle school, we stop asking questions altogether. So it's kind of going back to that childlike curiosity. Um, and a great place to start is to ask why questions. So kind of digging deeper into programs that you're running or products that you're selling and kind of digging into the why are those successful or not successful. And then another great one is what if. So when we when we ask the question, what if our brains kind of go into this imaginative place that that kind of leads us down a path where you could, could potentially come up with with new ideas and innovations. Thanks for that, Stacey. Some really interesting points. I like the example that you give people stopping asking questions, you know, as they reach uh, school age. And I think there's some, you know, really important questions there for our for our listeners to to ask themselves as well. And, you know, as the expectations that are placed on marketing functions continue to increase in this new era of work, uh, marketers are understandably under a lot of pressure to to prove the value of their role in order to demonstrate their usefulness, which brings us on to that term. How can they prove their usefulness uh, effectively? Yes. So, so first, we define usefulness as the ability to connect the dots from what your company does to how it helps solve a customer problem. So this includes, you know, products, services, your sales approach, your service approach, marketing content. I mean, really everything you do should be viewed through this lens of being useful to both customers and your, and your company. To be useful we kind of developed this little usefulness triangle and there's really three elements to that. So the first is knowledge. This is the skills and experience that you possess that other people would find helpful. So, you know, it's about mastering something just as you would not take your car to be fixed by an untrained mechanic. It's the same thing. Your customer wants to buy something from people that are smart and that have dedicated their, their business to developing something that, that they know that they can trust. And another thing like B2B buyers in particular, you know, one stat we, we constantly see is that they want to work with sellers that understand their business. So first, it's just about, about the knowledge piece there. Two is about preparation, which is being ready and willing to help. Again, knowing that there is really no one size fits all approach that, that you have to kind of constantly be thinking about the customer and rather than trying to push out a product, maybe you know, thinking about how how to make that more useful to individual customers, especially in a B2B buying situation where you have more than one decision maker to reach. And then the third element is timing. So this is the phrase, timing is everything. And right now, you know, 90% of B2B buyers are, are willing to interact with the seller early. So it's about getting in there to help them solve problems and illuminate problems that they might not, not know that they have. Another stat, about 35 to 50% of sales is going to the vendor that responds first to a customer inquiry. So um, this timing piece is, is important in being useful. You know, one of the things that we see many marketing teams kind of missing right now is just customer research. There's really not a, a big budget for this. And yet companies are willing to spend millions of dollars on advertising but not really understanding what it, what it would take to make the advertising more effective. And so it's about prioritizing that deep customer understanding. You cannot be useful to a customer if you don't understand what they need, first and foremost. Thank you, Stacey. Over the past year, a lot of us have worked from home for the vast majority of it, and that can probably be expected, you know, for some time to come uh, at least. And that means that work and personal lives, you know, 
have become blurred as, as the one space. Um, and we've spoken about, you know, marketeers being under a lot of pressure. How, how can marketeers effectively prove their value without suffering from burnout? Yeah, this is a great question. I saw a startling stat the other day that said 83% of marketers are burnt out. That's the most of any other profession. And it went up 10% since before the pandemic. So, you know, what does that mean? It means that all of a sudden, there's a lot of pressure being put on marketing teams to over deliver. So because everything went from in person to all of a sudden digital interactions, that largely fell on the shoulders of marketing to go, you know, make the website better, make the messaging better, make the email better, put together programs and webinars and podcasts to engage customers. And so I think from a marketing standpoint, it, it's really about kind of taking a step back and putting together a strategy and making sure that you really understand what it is that you're trying to achieve. It's not about constantly executing the idea of the day. Uh, you know, or the flavor of the day, somebody comes and knocks on your door and says, hey, I just got a white paper from a competitor. We need to go create a white paper. Hey, so-and-so is creating a podcast. We need to go create a podcast. It's about, as Simon mentioned, understanding your business and what your business is trying to achieve. And then this usefulness piece, again, going back to customers, understanding what the customers really want and need and, you know, what is going to be the best use of your time. Do your customers even read white papers, for example? Or are they more video people? Many marketers just don't know the, the basic answers to some of these customer questions. And so they get stuck in this cycle of just constant execution. So it's not about being better or faster executors or working around the clock, but about only choosing and working on those things that are going to, to move the needle. Thanks, Stacey. That, that makes uh, perfect sense. And, and moving to Simon for the final key competency you, you mentioned in your book, which is a evaluate, which is about taking stock of what is and, and what isn't working, which uh, Stacey just touched upon there. How important is it for marketeers to assess and analyze whether or not their activity is having the desired impact? Well, I think Stacey teed that up fantastically because, you know, number one reason is if you can't do it, you'll, you'll end up being in the 83% that are burnt out because you're just responding to things that sound like an activity. You know, as Stacey said, can you do this white paper because somebody else is doing one or can we go to this event again, etc. And quite often that's because organisations have this activity illusion, which means that, you know, the more you do, they believe the more is going to happen. Now, now, that's not the case because if you prioritise on the things that are really going to move the needle – then you have to drop some of the things that aren't having an impact and you have to be able to prove the case uh, at both ends, yeah? Uh, so you have to have the skill to be able to do it and, and measure and evaluate. And these are quite dangerous times to be a marketeer in a way because marketeers have never had great impression with the chief finance officer and, 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 and really with the chief executive as well because of this whole issue of them not being able to measure the success. Now, at this moment in time, because of digital marketing, it's much easier to measure some things, but all the things that are easy to measure are what they call vanity metrics. So I, I could tell you how many likes I've had on my Facebook page or the page impressions uh, on, on the website or click-through rates to my website uh, or from my website to somewhere else. Then, But, you know, it has to roll up to, to be about 
revenue and profitability or customer satisfaction. And so it's crucial that you can evaluate new opportunities to decide how you prioritize. And it's crucial to be able to say, we're stopping that one because it's not worked. Are we going to just slightly change that because there's one or two things that are not working? Or we're just going to keep going with that because it's been really successful. You know, you can burn a lot of cash and calories focusing on the wrong things. And, and just imagine how much of a positive impact uh, you would have in an organization if you had the bravery to say, oh, and by the way, there's one of my own initiatives which I'm prepared to change or stop because I'm not seeing the desired effect of this campaign. Yeah. So all of the above reasons as, as why it's important from burnout to enhancing reputation in the uh, C-suite and to be seen as somebody that's got integrity and credibility in organization. Thanks, Simon. And, and do you think that the need for these competencies in marketing has increased since the COVID-19 pandemic? And, and do you think the importance will continue into, into the uh, new era of work as, as we leave the pandemic behind, whenever, whenever that may be? Yeah, yeah. I would say yes, dramatically. I mean, let's let's have a look at a few examples. So when we get back to vision, the V, you know, we're not sort of saying you've got to be, it's always a vision for five years down the road. We're talking about far distance and near horizon. So this thing just came up on people quickly. And so companies that displayed vision sort of converted their output from being gin distillers to providers of hand sanitizers, Yeah. Or we know of an example of an event management company in Boston that used its QR code capability to switch from events to checking people onto construction sites for safety. Yeah. And so that's that's a, an example of vision. From an activation standpoint, the companies we've just talked about can talk about how those ideas got mobilized quickly and got turned around. Now we have spoken to other companies who've said We've had some great ideas and our organization was too cumbersome and got in each other's way in order to move those ideas forward. So activation has either got people ahead of the curve in this uh, lockdown and, and it's going to help them going forward. So the learner, as Stacey said, I mean, this has really been heightened during this pandemic. Customer habits and needs are changing. Things are rolling forward very quickly. We've gone from a situation where everybody had loads of Zoom meetings and thought they were great, to now they're realizing just terrible. People are getting tired of it. People are having me mental health problems and anxiety. And just a real tactical example that locally uh, I've noticed that all people do now is, is sit in the house and either work or, or uh, watch films and then they go for walks in the locality. And there seems to be this trend to stop off for coffee and food stops, yeah? The local bakeries that have responded to this have started to open on both days of a weekend because it's a big money spinner and others have not because they've not seen that change in behavior, yeah? And as far as usefulness is concerned, you know, new problems have come to the surface and therefore you've got to find some new solutions, some of which we gave as examples. Either you change the offer that you make or you change what you say because you need to resonate with the thing that's now the issue. I mean, IBM was a great example from quite early on in the pandemic where because of what they realized what were happening, they 
change from quite a big portfolio to focus on six big things that they knew were important for customers and segmented the customers in to, to look at them in different ways. I mean, some quite big companies needed to be kitted out with uh, laptops and broadband and stuff like that because they never worked from home. And then evaluator is heightened because you've got to be quick to assess what in your portfolio might not be working and what is working and to change direction quickly. So, yeah, even more than, than before, I would have thought. Well, thank you very much, Simon and, and Stacey. It's been, uh, it's been great to, to learn about your book, uh, Standout Marketing. I'm sure you know it's given our listeners plenty to to think about as well, and uh, given them plenty to to reflect on their own careers and you know how they operate in their roles as well and what, what they're doing um, within their organisations. I'd, I'd like to finish on uh, on a question I'll ask you both separately. I'll start with you, Simon. If you had one piece of advice to help our listeners navigate their careers um, through the pandemic and and beyond, what would that be? Well, it's one and a half, really. <laughs> I'm in the camp of don't feel it's a problem if you've just got through this because it's been tough, you know, and there's, there's plenty of marketeers who've been made redundant uh, or furloughed through this process. So I would say, you know, cut yourself some slack, but adapt and be pr- pragmatic and, and learn the things that people deem to be useful now. I mean, in this book, we don't talk about digital a lot because we regard that as a skill that sits inside the overall competency added to behavior, knowledge, as we said. But right now, organizations are asking for people that are digital natives or have got digital expertise. So unashamedly, as the lead writer for Marketing Week said um, in his column recently, you know, you you have to go to interviews and developing a story about what you've done to be a digital native because that's what's important now. But nevertheless, these big competencies are the, are the enduring things that we, we believe will carry you forward. But above all else, cut yourself some slack. This is a tough time. Just get through it and and do the best you can to be a good marketeer. Thanks, Simon. I think that's a very, very important. Don't be too hard on yourselves. And, and Stacey, if I can ask the same question of you, if you had one piece of advice to help our listeners navigate their careers through the pandemic and beyond, what, what would that be? Yeah, so my advice, I think kind of building on what Simon said, it would be actually about mindset. And that's really to recognize that that you have the power to change and impact your own development. And this is about having the courage to take ownership of your career and not waiting or relying on your manager to, to prescribe a specific plan. So it's defining what you want and what you don't want in your career and being bold enough to go after it. As a starting point, you know, we listed five competencies here today So choose one that resonated with you the most and just commit to starting to get better at that. It's really going to help you as a marketer, but also, you know, help define what you're good at and and where you want to take your career. Great. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that great advice. It's been great having you both on the the podcast again to uh, such a worthwhile topic, you know, in a a world of work that is uh, constantly changing and, you know, especially for marketeers as well. So uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hayes Worldwide Careers Advice Podcast. If you have found this advice useful, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. 
At the same time, if you have any questions or suggestions for future podcast episodes, feel free to reach out to us via email at socialmedia at haze.com.